our Walk the Talk series. The title of this message is Mercies in Disguise. Did you notice that was the last words of this song? What if the trials of this life are mercies in disguise? There's a question mark after that because it's a question. But let's change it this morning to a statement. The trials of this life are mercies in disguise. The trials of this life are mercies in disguise. This is what Laura's story is singing about. Just to give you a little background, so you know where this song is coming from. And if you look up Laura's story on Google, you'll find this out. She and her husband, Martin, met in high school. He was a baseball player, a big athlete. They went together for a while, and then, then they broke up. A few years later, they got back together again, and the Lord put them together. So they got married. It's about 2003. Less than two years into their marriage, her husband started to have these symptoms. He was falling asleep during football games and forgetting things that his wife said. And he went to the doctor and the doctor said, So? Every man does that. (laughs) And they went back a couple more times and the symptoms got worse. Finally, about two years into their marriage, Martin was diagnosed with a brain tumor. So this derailed their plans of life, of course. In fact, his whole life was in jeopardy. The doctors didn't know what kind of brain tumor it was or if he was going to survive at all. And then went through a long road of more than a year of surgeries. He got meningitis after one of the surgeries. He... He had vision problems. He lost his memory. And in the midst of this, Laura, who was a singer, songwriter, guitarist, piano player, she wrote this song because, you see, Martin hadn't received the healing that they had been praying for. And what Laura says is, even through this disability, he was true to the vows that he took as a husband to be the head of his family as best he could. And this really spoke to her. So she didn't know, what am I supposed to do with all this? So after they were married five more years, this song came to her, 2011. It ended up to be an award-winning song, which just tells you that God spoke to people through this song. Because there's a lot of truth in it. Now, Laura had always connected healing and prosperity with blessing. Blessing is healing and prosperity. What are you doing that, that doesn't fit? Does that mean you're not blessed? So, a lot of what-ifs came into her mind, and you hear them in the song. I'm just going to be following along in front of your bulletin there. See, Laura comes up with some prayer requests in this song that you heard. 
we pray for blessings. Now, it's not wrong to pray for blessings, but to pray for blessings. Nothing wrong with that. I pray for blessings on my family all the time. I pray for blessings on our church all the time. There's nothing wrong with praying for blessings. I pray for peace. Oh, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Bible says to do that. I pray for peace in my marriage, in my household, in my family, in this church. We pray for peace for our town, that God's peace would come. There's nothing wrong with praying for peace. We pray for comfort for our family. These are the things that are in the song. We pray for comfort for our family. Well, our family, not just my, my biological family, my church family. There's a lot of comfort that needs to be done, received in this church. Because people go through stuff. Pray for protection. Oh, we want to be protected from the things of this world. God's protection. There's nothing wrong with praying for protection. We should be. Pray for prosperity. Now, I'm not a prosperity message preacher. But we do pray for prosperity. All wealth is God's wealth. Well, why doesn't he give it to me then? If it's his, what's he holding back from me? I'm still going to pray for prosperity. We pray for our suffering to be eased. You cannot live in this world without suffering. So it's got to be eased. Lord, only you can ease it, so I'm going to pray for it. Pray for wisdom. The Bible says, if you want wisdom, all you got to do is ask for it. And it's yours. Sometimes I don't feel too wise. Whoops, I shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have done that. Lord, I prayed for wisdom. What's, what's a scoop here? I didn't feel like I'm too wise today. We pray for deliverance. We pray for material needs. We have a lot of prayers where we pray. The, the problem is... It doesn't look like some of these prayers get answered. And there's a couple of questions here. It says, Q, question. Number one, can God bless us by not giving us what we pray for? You think that's possible? Maybe some of our prayers aren't directed properly. Or maybe it's just God isn't there anymore. Maybe God took his hand off me. And let me learn a lesson the hard way. Question number two. What's the use of praying if he doesn't answer our prayer? What good is it? Well, that question kind of tells more about the questioner than it does about God. What does it say about the person who asked the question? I don't believe in prayers are answered. Maybe once in a while. But God probably just doesn't listen to me. problem with that is I remember Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane before he's supposed to go to the cross and he's saying to his father is there a plan B do I have to do this isn't there another way to save the world and then what does he say nevertheless not my will, but yours be done. There's something about blessing and prayer 
that doesn't quite fit into my box. I expect blessings to be, look a certain way, to be given to me a certain way. Because that's the way I want it. It will make my life easier. I mean, after all, God, if my wife, if my wife, maybe that wasn't a slip of the tongue. If my wife would just, dot, 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 my life would be a lot easier. Lord, would you do something about her? He doesn't do anything. I don't see anything. That means he doesn't answer my prayer. So it becomes, what I see, really three big fat questions there right on your bulletin. The first question we end up asking. God, where are you? I thought you were here. Are you actually the big clockmaker in the sky who wound it all up in the beginning and then sat down with a pina colada on his couch to watch the Giants play? Do you care? Are you really near? And I've talked about this before. Since I was in the hospital last October, Jeremiah 23, 23, becoming one of my favorite couple of verses here. Here's what the Bible says. See, it's, it's shaded in my Bible with a star next to it. Because I need to remember this. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? That far off means remote. You know, like the remote on TV? God sat down, and now he's using the remote. Now, when I was growing up, even in my, some of my adult years, you couldn't have a remote. You had to walk over to the television and change the channel. No wonder we didn't channel surf. I didn't feel like getting up that much. Is that what God does? He turns on the TV, puts it on a channel of our life, and then goes and sits down? That's not what it says here. Verse 24. Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? It's a rhetorical question. We can't hide from God. There's no place, no matter where we go. And here it is, the end of verse 24. Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth? He is every place. We can't get away from the presence of God. We can't hide in a cave. We can't run away. He fills the earth. If he does that, then where is he? He's always here. He's always right here. Right here. Right here. I can't get away. So I don't care what it looks like. I cannot look at, with my mind at the things around me because it looks as if God isn't there, but the Bible says He is. The Word of God says He's always right there. Now, what am I going to believe? My mind or the Word of God? That's, that's the question. But what about... You know, this is, this is one of my big things. But what? Forget the but. 
Put a period at the end of the sentence and don't go on. Because now we go into unbelief and doubt. But what? let's not do the but part. God is present all the time. He is near. He is around you. You can't get away from God. Once you're God's, you're God's. Second question. God, why me? Why me? What are you putting me through? Well, obviously, if this is on me, you can't love me. You don't love me. Obviously. It's obvious to me. Matthew 5.45 Let's start at 44. It would help if I was in Matthew, not Mark. Okay, Matthew's first. I got it. Okay, I'm here. Let's start at 44. Red words. I say to you, love your enemies... Okay, let's skip that part. Bless those who curse you. I don't want to hear that one. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. In other words, look like your daddy. This is what your daddy does. You do it too. Continuing on. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. People, you're going to get rained on. <clears throat> the sun's going to shine on you whether you like it or not. You're on the earth. You live here, it's going to rain. What does that say about you? You're just like every other person on earth. You're a human being. A creation of God. You live here on the earth. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But let's check our attitude. Because we have to know that we live in a fallen world. This ain't the Garden of Eden. Human beings are human beings. They're fallen too. Until the Spirit of God comes into their life and you get born again. But the earth isn't born again yet. The earth won't get born again until we get a new heaven and a new earth after Jesus comes back. Until that time... There is not going to be peace on earth. Uh oh. Teach elementary school. Let's go to the kids' concert. Let there be peace on earth. And let there. There's nothing wrong with singing that song. But, people, it's not going to come true till Jesus comes back. We should pray for peace. We should look for peace. We should be peace. But it's not going to happen to the whole earth until Jesus returns. We live here. We're going to get rained on. So what does that say about God? It says, God is God. Things of God are in motion. 
We are moving towards the end of the age when Christ returns. So, and we heard this, this guy talk about this and it really freed me up. The earth is not going to hell in a handbasket. It is not on the downward spiral and when it gets bad enough, Jesus will return. No, the opposite is true. We're on the way up. We're shooting for when Jesus comes back. I don't care how it looks. There's always going to be wars and famines and <sighs> storms and hurricanes. And... But we are on our way to see Jesus. So I don't care how it looks. When I say, why me? I'm really being selfish. And not understanding who God is, who He says I am, and where I live. Next question. God, what for? Why am I going through this? What are you trying to do to me? What's this for? There can't be anything good that ever comes out of this, because I feel so rotten. James. Oh, what a great book James is. Be careful when you read James. You better have the right attitude when you start reading James. Verse 3. What for? Why these trials? The testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of my faith produces patience. Would you say that with me? The testing of my faith produces patience. Say it again. The testing of my faith produces patience. Here's what the, Hebrew, here's what the Greek words mean. I will be absolutely sure of the trustworthiness of my reliance on Jesus that will accomplish cheerful, constant endurance. Let me say that again. I can be absolutely certain that my trustworthiness, not in me, my trustworthiness in Jesus will accomplish in me cheerful, constant endurance. Verse 4. But let that patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect that word means mature that you may be mature and complete lacking nothing wow what for because God has a plan for you and it might not be you're totally at ease with everything in life But he's got a plan to do something in you to make sure that you fulfill the destiny and purpose that he has already planned for you. And there's only one way to accomplish it. And it ain't on the mountaintop. We don't learn a whole much on the mountaintop, people. No. And what it says here, listen to me. 
Let patience have its perfect work. Let patience do what it's supposed to do, that you may be mature and complete. That you may be mature and complete. When am I going to be mature and complete? Try this. Right now. Right now. The Bible says in 2 Peter, we have everything we need for a life in godliness. We don't need anything besides what we got. We got it all. We got the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. So my prayer is, Lord, if I have to learn anything, I want to learn it real quick because I want it to be complete right now. I want to come to the end of my maturity right now. I want to be there right now so I can look like Jesus right now. That's what the trials are for. So when I pray, God, get me out of this trial, please. Maybe I'm short-circuiting God's plan for me. Just maybe... God allowed that trial in my life so I could finally and quickly get to the end of myself and be complete and mature and fulfill what God has for me to fulfill in this life. Now I know we're human beings and yes, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Forgive me. I'm not thinking of myself as a sinner saved by grace anymore. I am not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner saved by grace. Now I'm a son of God and I'm walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and I am complete and mature in Him right now. I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. Does that mean anything or not? Anything, almost, except for when my wife gets on my case and i got to holler at her or something, you know. We give ourselves so many outs. We try to. And it short-circuits what God's trying to do in our life. At the bottom of the bulletin, there's a little quote by Laura Story. Real intimacy with God is found in walking through the valley. Look at what she's went through. And she's still going through some of it. But I'll tell you, right on the cover, there's a picture of Martin, Laura, and a baby. Now, I didn't have time to research this out, but they got a baby. Now, I don't know if he's totally healed yet of the brain tumor. But there's a family of three right there. They had to have moved on in some way. Walking through the valley. And then we go back, right back to James. Right above where we were reading, verse 2. My brethren, hey, bros, bros and sisters, count it, deem it, all joy, cheerful endurance. It's all joy, everything is joy when I finally get a raise. Count it all joy. When the guy plowed my driveway this winter and didn't even charge me a cent. 
But that's not what it says. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Here's what it means. When you're surrounded by all kinds of proof experiences. When you're surrounded, it's all around you. You can't take a step without bumping into some kind of experience that will prove your faith. Doesn't prove whether or not you have faith. Because Christian, you got all the faith you need, even if it's as small as a mustard seed. So you got faith. The thing is, what are we going to do with the faith? Where is it directed towards? We all got faith in something, something, but I'm going to say it this way. We all got faith in somebody. Either ourselves, our friend, our parents, or Jesus Christ. We all got faith in somebody. Where is our faith going to be directed? And if it's directed there, what do blessings look like? They might not look like we think they should. Because sometimes the trials of life are God's mercies in disguise. They're what we need to go through. Because our Father in Heaven, the one who loves us, who knows us perfectly, who made us, He knows what we need. And sometimes we need it not in the way we think we do. And let me end with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion for other people's ills. Compassion for other people's struggles. Compassion for other people's trials. Mercies is the word. The Father of all mercies. And of the God of all comfort. He gives us consolation. He consoles us. He gives us solace. He brings peace to us. Who comforts us in all our pressures. You got any pressures in your life today? Any pressures at all? We call it stress. Some of it's good, but stress is living on earth. Who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have been given. A lot of these trials are to bring you to a certain point so you can have compassion for somebody else. So you can comfort somebody else. Are you willing to go through a trial without Jesus telling you why? Because you know that God's going to use this in your life and in somebody else's life. Is that awesome or what? That's why we're here, Bridge Builders Community Church. That's why we're here, Body of Christ in Hyde Park. That's why we live in the Hudson Valley, in New York State. I won't go there. In the United States of America. It's not just for me. It's not just for you.
I'm going to end this. Well, let me just read a couple of quotes from Laura's story. Everyone wants to be mature and equipped. Let me start over. Everyone wants to be a mature and equipped follower of Jesus. But would I have signed up for a walk with him had I known what it would take? This is what she's going through as she's writing a song. God has grown us up, deepened our faith, our awareness of our great need for him as a savior daily. We knew it before, but we didn't see it. This is a good place to be, she says. And here's what she says about the song that God gave her. The song shows that we still have more questions than answers. But there's a decision that I find God is asking us to make. Now, you've got to make a decision today. And this decision isn't just for today. It's for tomorrow, Monday. It's for Tuesday and Wednesday. And it's every day we've got to make this decision. Listen to the what well, decision. We've got two choices here. Will we choose, number one, to interpret our circumstances based on what we know to be true about God? Or will we judge what we hold to be true about God based on our circumstances? Am I going to look at what I'm going through, whatever trials it might be, through the eyes of God? Or am I going to say, this is what I'm going through, therefore, God, you must be blankety-blankety-blank. Decision. Which way do you want to do it? I know which way God wants us to do it. He says so. I'm going to end the message this way this morning. I want you to look around this room and I want you to notice one person in this room that you have not prayed for in the past month. I don't want you to say it out loud because we're not going to take a poll and find out the person who has the least prayers have them stand up. Pray for them. No, we're not not going to do that. (laughs) You're not going to say anything. I just want you to look around. Look around. Find one person who you have not prayed for in a month. Everybody, just look around. This person needs the comfort and consolation of our God. What are you going to do about it? Look, it's up to us for each other. I'm going to ask Michaela to come back and she's going to sing this song again. A little pressure here, right? No, she doesn't feel any pressure at all. And during this song, I want you to be in prayer for that person. You don't even have to know what they're going through. God knows. Pray in the Spirit if you have to. Pray with understanding if you want to. But just pray. Good or what? Is he good in the trials? Is he good in the high points? Yeah, God is good. The enemy wants to steal from us the truth that God is good. We can't let go of it. So Lord, we just ask you, if 
There comes a time this week, this month, when we start letting go of the fact and the truth that you're good. Lord, hold on to us, even when our hands get too tired to hold on to you. Because we never want to be apart from you. We know that your truth, who you are, is our very life. So we thank you and praise you, Lord. And we just declare today that we see sometimes your mercies are in disguise as trials. Help us to receive what you have for us and to wait until we get a word from you before we do anything, Lord, out of our understanding, our own understanding. But Lord, we know that you're bigger than we are. You're going to get us there. I just thank you and praise you. You'll never leave us or forsake us. And you're always with us through the trials. We bless you. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now send us on our way with joy in our heart. A a little jig in our step, Lord, because we're just blessed that you're our Father that Jesus, you're our Lord and Savior, that Holy Spirit, you're our indwelling God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.